We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey everybody, welcome back to Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Max. Today, my guest is Melissa Carr. Melissa is a registered doctor of Chinese medicine in Vancouver, British Columbia. And what that means is she both can practice herbal medicine as well as acupuncture. And our focus today is talking about one of the great modern evils that many of us don't even recognize as evil because we think it's actually something sweet and delightful, and that is sugar and sugar addiction what it can do to you, and what you can do about it. Alyssa, welcome to the show here. Thank you very much for having me. This is a sub, this is a topic of mine that I'm really, I've got this like deep interest in it. I've had it for oh, a while now because it seems to me that there are so many downstream problems that excessive sugar consumption creates that if you could just knock the sugar off, Lots of other problems kind of go away all by themselves once that's out of the system. Yeah. Uh, What I'm curious to know, this is a focus of your practice, it sounds like. What is it that led you to helping people deal with their issues with sugar? Yes. So um, I grew up with, uh, you know, I was very active. I ate uh, healthy, ate all my veggies and everything. But one of the things that I had as a kid was... uh, Uh, an attachment to sugar. And I hadn't realized it until I was in school for traditional Chinese medicine. And I went in for to the clinic and asked for uh, an acupuncture treatment. And the students who were practicing there who were learning said, okay, well, what can we work on? And I said, I don't really have anything going on. I'm healthy, but um, I just wanted you to practice on me. They said, well, how do you feel right now? I said, well, I have a headache right now. And they said, okay, well, we can work on that. How often do you get these headaches? And I said, nearly every day. They said, that's not normal. I said, I know, but they're not that bad. And, you know, it's, I don't have to take anything for it. It's just who I am. I'm just lucky that they're not migraines like they are for most of my family. And uh, 
one of the uh, roots of my headaches we soon discovered was an addiction to sugar. I was having, uh, at that time, it was Snapple or Fruitopia, remember back in the day? Oh, yeah. And yeah, they have a lot of sugar in them. Oh, my God. Yeah, and you know, with the what was written on the label was um, I don't remember how many grams of sugar it was, but the the label didn't even account for the whole bottle. It only accounted for about half the bottle. So, um, and then I was also I'd also have a big muffin, which I thought was healthy because it was a brand blueberry muffin. But the muffins now are sized to like you know they're like the size of your head almost, and so that was a lot of sugar as well. And so we really worked through getting rid of my sugar addiction, and that has made a huge impact on my life. And I found that not only did I instantly, like within two weeks, I dropped five pounds without making any other changes, but I, my headaches started to clear up. I felt more energetic. I, I didn't drink much coffee, so I hardly ever drink coffee. Sugar was my way to get energy. And I hadn't realized how damaging it was for me. So from that realization, from a personal level, I started looking at, you know, other ways that I could, ways that I could use that to help people. Yeah. You know, it, when we have a personal experience like that, it, it can be so eye-opening. And, you know, just listening to you talk about you went to try acupuncture, you're basically okay. You know, your life's good. And, mm-hmm. and they ask you this question about headache. You know, you find out you got a headache. How often do you have it every day? Well, you know, that's a, that's a red flag, and it's so easy for us to have these red flags in life, and we just go, oh, well, that's, that's just me. That's yes. just normal. I see it with patients all the time. When we, they come in for one thing, and then we find out that there's something else going on. Often it's fatigue or poor sleep or something like that, that they just, just who I am, it's no big deal. Yeah. But it's a big deal. It is, it is a, it, yes. From from that perspective, mm-hmm. it is a big deal. Now, I'm curious, what are some of the common health issues that you see that can kind of trace the route back to sugar consumption? For sure, headaches is one of them. Um, when people have blood sugar issues, you know, now we joke about the term hangry, my, which is a combination of hunger and angry when people's blood sugar starts to drop. I don't know if you've heard that term. I have not heard it, no. Yeah, it's a- I used to get that. Uh-huh. Hangry. Hangry. Mm-hmm. Yep. So- Completely inconsolable and hungry and a little dizzy and maybe sweaty. Yes, yes. People, when they feel their blood sugar drop, it, it affects their mood. And I mean, I used to be like that as a kid, I would get headaches and angry. And I, so I see that in my patients. Sometimes they say, well, they get, they, they have problems if they wait too long to eat. Um, uh, weight issues for sure is one. So people, especially around the middle, weight gain, inflammation in the body, sugar creates all kinds of inflammation. And inflammation is the root of so many problems. Um, skin problems as well. Fatigue is huge. And a lot of digestive issues. Those are some of the key things I see uh, as health problems that are related to sugar. I suspect that a lot of our listeners may not realize that sugar does affect so many of these things. You know, in, in the inflammation in particular, I know that I've had patients who, when they stop with the sugar, I mean, when they can really pull themselves off of it, 
they take fewer pain meds. Yes. For their joints and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And um, sugar has been shown to be an, in, an inflammatory. And so with, and because it's the root, I mean, we think of inflammation with things like pain, um, joint issues, but inflammation is the root of so much, so many chronic illnesses of today. Um, so cutting down the sugar can help with all kinds of chronic illnesses. How, so here's the $64 million question. How do people do this? I mean, sugar is, it's wildly addictive. It's incredibly available. It's totally socially acceptable. You know, I mean, people can be in a conversation with each other and say, you know, I'm a sugar addict. Ha 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 ha. You know, we yes. laugh. I mean, we totally yeah. laugh it off. You, we would never go, I'm a heroin addict. Ha 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 ha. We wouldn't do it. So there's this, there's this big, in addition to the physiology getting so addicted to it, there's this gigantic social acceptance. How, how do you work with your patients with this stuff? You're right. Absolutely right. That it's very socially acceptable. I mean, if you go to a coffee shop, what do they serve the, the you there? It's mostly it's all sugary things. And so I think that educating people about how what they eat, uh, the sugars that they eat, can be the root of many of their health issues. And then you know, it's a matter of planning ahead. So dropping the amount of sugar that we eat, we, ha- we, ha- we have to think ahead because the thing is, it's all around us. So if you go out for a coffee with somebody or a tea, chances are any of the snacks that you have there are going to be sugary snacks. If you're in a rush and you're look- looking for a quick snack anywhere, uh, chances are the easy fixes are your sugary snacks. So you have to plan ahead. You have to be prepared with having healthy snacks available so that you don't have to reach for the sugar right away. And, uh, and, and, and not also feeling deprived as well, not going for the idea that, oh, I'm never going to be able to have anything that I love anymore. Um, I think that's a big thing because for people to uh, switch out for other alternative sweet things is, is a way to reduce the amount of sugar that they're having and still be able to enjoy their food. I'm all for the enjoyment of food. I love food. And if you tell me that I can't ever have anything sugary again, that is going to make me want sugary things. So I think it's getting to the point that you know that you can have the things that you enjoy, but you just have them in very small quantities. I found something interesting in my own experience having, um, totally loved carbohydrates of any form, simple carbs in particular, for many years. And then, and then at some point, just for my own health and, and actually sustainable energy is what it came down to, having to get off of it. I have found that over time, my taste buds changed. Yes. So that stuff that previously was incredibly delicious is now incredibly annoying, and I, I have no desire to have it in my mouth, let alone swallow it. Very true. You've seen this too. Absolutely, absolutely. I think what I've seen is that for myself personally and for my patients as well, that when we uh, start having things that are less sweet, our taste buds start to become more refined again. We have the ability to taste sweet and things that we wouldn't typically think of as sweet, but we don't realize it when we've been bombarding our taste buds with so much pure sugar that 
it takes that pure sugar to stimulate them. When we start to cut down on the on the heavily sweetened things, our taste buds come back, become more refined, and we can taste sweet in things like even roasted vegetables. Oh my goodness, yes. The, the other day, I was I had pizza or something like that. What was it? Yeah, it might have been pizza. Anyway, it had these sweet, sweet peppers on it. Yes. And um, I was thinking, wow, these are like really sweet. And, and then it came to mind, well, you know, they are sweet peppers. But how many of us actually taste a sweet pepper as sweet? Yes. And I find that I've been to, when I go out to restaurants now, when they serve something that, you know, is meant to be a dessert, and I find they're often overly sweet now. So when I have things that are uh, drinks that are, you know, supposedly healthy drinks, but they've added so much sweet to it that it almost makes my teeth ache um, because it's too much. So we get to that point, like you said, where you where you find the things that you used to enjoy suddenly are not good anymore because they're overly saturated with sweet. But we can find the sweet in things that we didn't even know were sweet before. It's amazing. Right. So we're actually not depriving ourselves of the sweet taste. We're just not using a supernova hit of sweet. Exactly. Yeah. In your experience, and I know this will vary from person to person, how long does it take to get the taste buds to change, you know, to shift up, change themselves, uh, come back to a more natural state? You know, how long do you have to go through that, that process of, uh, let's just say, re-educating the taste buds? I think it really, it, it, you're, you're right, it does vary from person to person. I think some people... And it depends on how how heavy you've gone on the sugar for a while. For me personally, I think it took me a few months. I think a few months is probably pretty reasonable for somebody who's had a pretty heavy sweet tooth. Some people, it'll be less. It'll be a few weeks. They start to notice uh, an improvement in their ability to taste sweet. I have a friend who actually, she she's a chef, and she is so great with her sense of smell and her sense of taste that she can actually smell sugar from far away and even the smell of too much like going through an area that they're baking a lot mm -hmm. it can be so intense that it, even just the smell of that much sugar can give her a headache so it depends on the individual as to how sensitive they are uh, how much they've had but I think anywhere between a few weeks and a few months um, it's reasonable to find that your taste buds will change, will shift. In a couple minutes, I, I want to get into talking about how acupuncture and that kind of stuff can help. But before I do, it seems like a lot of folks, when they think about making a, a lifestyle change like this, they think, oh my goodness, I've got I've to pull up the willpower. And if I don't pull up the willpower, um, then I'm not going to do it. And, and, and if I try to pull up the willpower and it turns out I'm not as willful as I would like to be, now I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to get into that whole spiral. What's your take on dealing with the very natural feelings that come up when making a change like this of I'm going to have to lean on my willpower or I'm going to have to suffer, suffer deprivation? Is there a way of working with, with these otherwise really obstructive sorts of uh, emotions and mindsets? Yeah, I think for um, for one, I think that knowing what it is that you want 
what, what, like, why are you doing this? No, being very clear about what are the benefits that you're looking for. Um, for me, not having headaches, suddenly realizing that I didn't have to have daily headaches was a good motivator for me. So finding your motivation is really important. Understanding that you're going to hit roadblocks, that you're going to so-called fail. They're not failures, but you, you might feel like you've failed. You're going to have those moments. You're going to have those times when those happen. And you just got to get over it. You got to let yourself make mistakes and allow yourself to hit those roadblocks and then just pick yourself up again and, and keep going. And not going with that idea of total deprivation. I think that looking for little ways to decrease. Like, so for me, at the beginning, it was very clear that those drinks, those uh, so-called fruit drinks. Mm -hmm. Those healthy fruit drinks. Yeah, they were touted as as healthy fruit drinks. There's like 2% fruit in them or something. And so for me, it was just, okay, well, I just need to get rid of those first. So picking something that is reasonable that you can, you, you know that, you do that could be a, a starting point. Um, I'm going to stop doing that. Or uh, and, and for me, looking forward to something that you can have that will be a small amount of that sweet that you can allow yourself to enjoy. Because And again, for me, it's, it's, it's uh, dark chocolate. Mm, uh, re- having a piece, a little piece of dark chocolate at the end of my day uh, after dinner that's my treat for the day. But it's only one piece, and it is something that you savor. It's something that when you have it, you really pay attention to the flavor of it, the texture of it, the enjoyment of it. You really be mindful. I think being mindful of the things that we're eating is really helpful because we don't realize all the things that we're having some on when we're busy and the things that we're reaching for. But being mindful of what we're choosing and why we're choosing it can make uh, help us with those difficult changes. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. The um, one of the things I've noticed this myself, and I've had patients comment on this too, that as they start paying more attention to what they're eating and to the various flavors, and I mean, really hanging with the flavors and noticing them. Mm-hmm. And so often it's easy to go, well, I like this flavor, I want more of it. Or I don't like this flavor, I want to avoid it. And if you can kind of stand in the middle and drop that and just let yourself experience what flavors are present, there's often a whole lot more going on in our mouth than we think there is. Absolutely. Like chocolate, for example, dark chocolate in particular, it's got this bitter and, you know, it's got the sweet, but it's got the bitter. And it's the combination. And I think thinking about the flavor, but also thinking about the texture. Mm. Um, because sometimes people have, it's not just the flavor that they want. Like from, I wasn't about candies. Like hard candies for me weren't a, a thing. But for me, it was cakes and cookies. And I translated that into a healthier, what I thought was a healthier version, which was muffins. Mm-hmm. And it's the texture of, of the moistness of that that I really liked. So, so for some people, it's crunchy that they want. For me, it was the soft, moist texture of a cookie or a cake that I really liked. So translating the texture into other things, like I really like avocados. 
So looking for, is there a textural component of this food that I really enjoy? Are there other foods that might be better suited for me? And not thinking about foods as good or evil. So sometimes when we put sugar in the evil category, you know, it it becomes more adversarial instead of, okay, well, I just need to, I know that that's not suitable for me to have that in too much quantity. Not thinking good and bad, but thinking limited and thinking uh, about the other components. So it, sugar in, in Chinese medicine is actually, uh, the flavor sweet is has its benefits too. It's just that we've gone overboard on it. So yes. I think putting it into context of how much is suitable for me, what are the other flavors that I can enjoy? Are there other components about this food that I also enjoy, the texture-wise? And what is it that I'm actually feeding? Sometimes what we're feeding when we eat isn't really our stomach hunger. It's our emotional hunger. We're bored. We're lonely. We're tired. We're, we're, we're needing comfort. So looking for what it is that we're actually feeding aside from our stomachs. Yeah, it's, um, it requires a bit of attentiveness, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's jump into the Chinese medicine piece here. How do you use your Chinese medicine skills to help people with this stuff? There's two parts of it. One is what I can do um, in the form of things like acupuncture so and, and Chinese herbs. So the things that I do are help support the systems that are weak um, and help to move the energies that are blocked. So the idea being in Chinese medicine, if we have a lot of cravings for sweet, we might have a deficiency of the spleen stomach earth element. So that might be things like uh, digestive issues, uh, uh, problems with uh, bloating, um, stomach issues, indigestion, um, rumbling stomach. Uh, we might be also have a, we might also have issues that are related to earth, like feeling uh, foggy headedness, feeling tired, fatigued, weighted down. We might have uh, issues with uh, emotional worry, overthinking. Those would be signs that that spleen energy, that earth element is weak. So from a treatment standpoint, I give herbs and acupuncture treatment that support that. And the acupuncture can also help with uh, managing addictions. So as you mentioned at the beginning, sugar is an addiction that is very acceptable in our society. And But there are many addictions that we can have, and acupuncture can be helpful for helping uh, to manage those addictions. So supporting the nervous system, calming the nervous system, and helping to reduce cravings. And helping with anxiety. Absolutely. Helping because uh, even just the thought of, oh, I'm not going to have my sugary treat can trigger anxiety in people. Well, it's and it's a funny post-hypnotic suggestion, too, because when we think about I'm not going to have that peanut butter cup this afternoon. Well, it's actually not possible to process a negative. Right. It's like if I were to say to you, don't think of a purple elephant. Oh, sorry. You just thought of a purple elephant. Right. So if people are saying to themselves, I'm not going to have that Snickers bar. You're actually thinking Snickers bar. You just can't stop thinking Snickers bar. Sometimes it's more helpful to think about, I'm going to take a 10-minute walk at my break this afternoon. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, so giving yourselves alternatives instead of thinking, no, I can't have that. Giving yourself alternative options. And I think that the things that patients can do, that people can do, is one, not having it easily accessible. So going through your cupboards and clearing it out, making it a little bit, uh, giving yourself a little distance mm -hmm. from the temptations and then stocking up with things that you'll enjoy, not just stocking up like, you know, like if you're going from cookies and cakes and chocolate bars to carrot sticks and celery sticks, you may feel like, oh, well, this sucks. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a treat anymore. So maybe you, you can look for things that you enjoy, but that don't sit in that category. So you might, so stock your fridge with things that you, that you still enjoy. So I'll tell people who love ice cream, for example, maybe there's, is it, so it's the cold and the sweet combined. And don't forget the smooth velvety kind of yummy sensation on the tongue. Don't forget that now. Very important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So look for things that are alternatives. And sometimes it isn't necessarily just going for the so-called healthy ice creams. It might be, well, you might have ice cream in there, but you might choose the really small containers and you might allow yourself only uh, one tablespoon of it or a small amount of it. So if you've gone from a big bowl, maybe three scoops, maybe you go down to one scoop and that's all you have. Um, or maybe you freeze grapes and you keep them in your um, ice trays. And then what you want when you want a treat, you have that instead. Or you make yourself your own popsicles with something that is not so sugary. So you might look for something like that. Or maybe you keep dates on hand or figs on hand. So when you want something that's got a nice, smooth texture, sweet, then you can have that instead. Um, if you're looking to sweeten your coffee instead of adding sugar, maybe you have honey or maple syrup on hand. I hope you've enjoyed the first half of the show. Now it's time for a word from our sponsor. That would be you. You could support the effort here by popping over to everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and click on the link to support the show and leave a few dollars that will help to keep some inspiration in the teacup. You know, we run on only the finest oolong and poorer teas here at Everyday Acupuncture Podcast Central. No point in going all NPR pledge drive here to remind you that teas like that don't come cheaply. Just know that if you like the show, you can express your appreciation for these interviews with a small donation. As always, I love to get your feedback and ideas for future shows, so send those along too. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the second half of the show. This leads me to a curious question that my patients ask me all the time. They go, well, if I'm going to step away from the sugar what's a safe sugar to have, you know? Is agave nectar okay? Is, is honey different? Is there, I'm going to put this in air quotes, a safe sugar or is sugar, sugar is sugar is sugar? What, what's your take on this? Well, sugar is sugar. The thing that comes, the thing that's different between your regular table sugar and um, other options of sugar is how much processing is had and, and what are the other health things that are in there. So your regular white table sugar is heavily processed, very concentrated. There's nothing else in there for you other than the sugar. 
if you, some people are like, well, what about brown sugar? Is that a healthy sugar? Well, that's your white sugar plus molasses added to it. So, okay, it has a little bit more minerals to it, but basically not that much better. So then, well, what about your raw sh- or your, your less processed sugars? Well, those are fine if you want to do baking or things or you're adding them in small amounts. They're less processed, but they're still sugar. I prefer if it has something that also has other vitamins and minerals to it. Like honey is a a nice alternative to sugar because it has lots of vitamins and minerals that come with it. Honey is antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal. Maple syrup is another option. Maple syrup also has lots of B vitamins and other vitamins and minerals in it. So if you're looking for something to have in your coffee or your tea, I would prefer honey or maple syrup. The agave sugar, the problem with it is it's very high fructose. So I wouldn't recommend agave. Um, I used to, when it first came out, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. This is easy. And But the more you read about it, the more you realize, okay, it's really high in fructose. Um, So it hits your bloodstream much faster. And so I just, if I'm having those liquid sugars, however, honey, maple syrup even, it's just limited amounts small amounts instead of you know having your to- uh, your your toast with your honey um or your coffee with your maple syrup you know it it's just a little bit in there and you'll find that you can gradually add less and less and get the same satisfaction you don't need to add as much as your taste buds get refined but looking for other things like um sugars in your whole fruits instead of doing fruit juice have the whole fruit because you're going to get the fiber. It'll slow it down. It'll slow down the rate that the sugar reaches your bloodstream. That's the key thing, isn't it? You want to keep the insulin levels adjusted. And because insulin levels jumping up and diving down is really hard on the body. And that is the uh, cause of so many metabolic issues. Uh, It is diabetes. Um, It is weight issues. It can mess with how your it can create inflammation in your body it messes with how your body functions so anything with more fiber in it makes it takes it longer for it to be able to get into your bloodstream makes it easier on your body right and you'll be hangry a whole lot less exactly we want we need we we need less hanger in the world we need less hanger <laughs> what's your take on women in their monthly cycle and sugar, you know, a, a lot of women just before their period comes on, they're gonna they get these intense cravings. What's your sense of how sugar affects a woman's menstrual cycle? One of the things is so women we we tend to be more uh, sensitive, more aware of the things that are happening around us uh, prior to the menstrual cycle. More sensitive, I mean, I find this with acupuncture too, we're more sensitive to acupuncture points during uh, and be just before the menstrual cycle. So that that's a sign of spleen energy deficiency as well. So looking at um, balancing out the body's energies, so balancing out our systems can help to decrease sweet cravings before the cycle. Um, and sometimes things like cravings like uh, for chocolate, for example, you may actually be deficient in magnesium. So supplementing magnesium might be helpful in decreasing those cravings, can also decrease the amount of menstrual cramping, 
the amount of breast tenderness, some of the other symptoms that come up PMS related, uh, problems with sleeping, that kind of thing that can happen premenstrually. So it might be looking at a, a magnesium deficiency. Sometimes it's a sign for other areas, not just the sugar that we're looking for, particularly if you're craving chocolate. Right. Well, geez, that's, that's an easy one to test out, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Just take some magnesium and see if it's a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any foods or herbs that you have found that can help to put the kibosh on a person's sweet tooth? Yeah. So one of the things is, uh, Looking for so looking for things that are mildly sweet. So when we're craving sweet, it's hard to satisfy it with something that doesn't fit the bill, that totally misses the mark. Like if you're thinking, like for example, I had a friend when I grow was growing up whose sister was allergic to chocolate, so her mom would always make carob cake instead. I don't know if you've ever tried carob cake, but if you're expecting chocolate and you taste, you're thinking chocolate cake, and you taste carob cake instead, you, you feel like you've missed the mark. If you, you feel like you've been deprived. And, and um, so sometimes it is having things that are mildly sweet. So having things on hand, like whole fruits, um, knowing that you're going to make yourself some roasted, when you roast the vegetables, it takes out the sweetness of those vegetables. Instead of just having, like carrots can be very sweet, beets are sweet, things that we t- wouldn't typically think of, but when you roast them, it brings out the, the sweetness of it. So maybe a sweet, a sweet potatoes, there's a reason why they're called sweet potatoes, just like you said, the sweet peppers. Mm-hmm. So having okay. those, incorporating those into your meal plan, yams, pumpkin, that kind of thing. And then helping with um, balancing it, uh, the sweetness, try adding in some bitter foods because they actually help to regulate your blood sugar levels. So um, looking for some foods that are uh, have a little bit of bitterness. Bitter melon is um, commonly employed in Chinese medicine food cures yes. Uh, yes. to Great help stuff. to balance Great blood sugar. Absolutely. And then... Um, Things like cinnamon. Cinnamon helps to regulate your blood sugar. It does have a sweet flavor to it as well. It's great to add to a bunch of different things. If you're roasting your vegetables, sprinkle a little cinnamon on it. It'll enhance that. It'll regulate the blood sugar. Adding foods that are rich in chromium. Chromium is another thing that helps to balance the blood sugar. So foods that are rich in chromium like broccoli, barley, oats, green beans, tomatoes, romaine lettuce, um, including those foods can help to balance your blood sugar. And when your blood sugar is more balanced, then you don't have as much up and down with your insulin levels. You don't have as much up and down with your sugar cravings. Having fiber, proteins, and healthy fats with everything you eat, so each of your meal, incorporating some fiber, protein, and or healthy fats can help to stabilize the blood sugar as well and keep you satisfied longer, keep your blood sugar more stable so you don't have any up and downs with your sugar cravings. Yeah. You know what's the other really wonderful thing about fats? Yes. They're flipping delicious. They are. I mean, in terms of if part of what you're looking for is taste and in a deep, yummy richness of taste, nothing delivers it like fat. That's very true. 
Yeah, so like avocados. So I mentioned the the texture component. For some people, there's a texture component to what they like when they're craving sweet. Um, if it's the softness of the food, the the moistness of a cake or something, then having an avocado, which is going to keep you full longer with the fats that are in there, that's Not very to helpful. All the minerals and fiber. Absolutely. My. Uh... My wife is an insane, science, mad scientist in the kitchen, basically. And uh, she recently started doing these homemade popsicle-y things. Yes. And it's partially made out of cashew butter, avocado, a little bit of lime, and some blueberries. Wonderful. I would put it up against any of your ice cream, ice cream sweet treats. It's insanely delicious. Oh, so good. Um, it's so good. And it, it's got, it's just got the, it's got all that texture thing going on. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, get creative in the kitchen. I think that's fantastic because there's so many foods that we have that we haven't a, a choice to be able to substitute. So I think when we start substituting in foods that are healthier, it becomes no longer an issue of deprivation. And that makes it a lot easier and a lot more sustainable because, you know, the reason why diets fail is because when somebody really wants X and all they're given it is Y, there's only so long that their willpower can hold out. So if you find these beautiful things that are so great substitutes, you don't have to give up X. Exactly. Well, I have found, and this is just an idea I've been working on here lately, if we feel like we have to rely on our willpower, it's not going to work. We can only effort ourselves in a certain direction for a certain period of time. There, there needs as well to be some kind of a sense of ease or sense of draw to something. And, and I find this in my own life. I find this with my patients. If we're constantly trying to swim upstream, at a certain point, you just kind of peter out. Because yes. um, you can't always be swimming upstream. That's just not the natural order of things. And so, yes, if you can find these other things that are delightful in themselves, now you've actually got a choice. Because you could go to the ice cream or you could go to that avocado, that crazy avocado thing. And especially when you recognize that 30 minutes after the avocado thing, you still have energy. Yes. It becomes, now you're not forcing yourself into something else. You're drawn to it because you've got this sustained energy. Yes, and I think that um, when, we, when we pay attention, when we're mindful of what we're eating, so sometimes starting off with just taking a, a food diary, mm. marking down what it is that you're eating, when you're eating it, what you're, why you're eating it, what you're feeling is you're having that. What is it that compelled you to go reach for the, a bag of cookies? Um, and then starting to be mindful of these things. So taking note first and then starting to plan ahead and making changes, planning ahead with, well, I know I always want this. Uh, I, I know I always want a, a cookie after my meal. What could I have instead? Instead of going, I'm not going to have a cookie, like you said before, the not thinking about a purple elephant. Instead of thinking, I'm not going to have a cookie, you've already planned ahead and you've got something else yeah. that's going to take the place of that. 
Exactly. I'm not going to have a cookie after dinner, but I'll have it before going to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think if, if uh, you know, and also like not, not worrying about it so much, not becoming so obsessive about food that you can't go out to friends' birthday parties or uh, in, enjoy a celebration with friends or family. Let yourself have a little bit of it when you're there. I mean, it depends on the level of sensitivity. If somebody has, uh, is, is diabetic, for example, they're going to have to be more cautious than somebody who uh, has, gets headaches when they eat too much sugar, for example. But what I've found is that when we're more attentive to it, then when you feel sick because you've eaten too much, you start to go, oh, that wasn't really worth it. And now I realize that I, I feel really tired or I have a headache or I just don't feel well. Oh, it's because I ate too much of that cake. Then you don't want to have it as much next time. You want to have a little bit less. We get smarter about it. We do. We do. We, we so often have these pleasant memories about sweet, sugary things. And some of those memories go way back to childhood. And so we're actually eating this thing based on something that happened decades ago and not in our current life. You know, as kids, sugar affects us differently than it does as adults. It does. And we've, we, we have associated it with a memory or a, an event or, you know, birthday cakes, for example, it's all celebration and excitement. So you think of cake as, is sugar is celebration. And so you feel like, well, I deserve this. I worked hard today. I need to celebrate my end of the day, but maybe there's something else that you can celebrate with instead. Maybe you can call a friend. Maybe you can go for a walk. Maybe you can do something else that is a, that is a better celebration. I mean, some of the foods that I used to eat now, I, I, if I have my favorite food growing up as a kid was black forest cake. Now, if I have a black forest cake, it just doesn't, it's like, well, did they change it since I had it when I was a kid? <laughs> probably not. It's probably, probably not. just that my taste buds have changed. It's not the same as what I remember. Well, especially if we're having health issues that are arising out of it than it is. You know, if for some reason we can eat a bunch of sugar and it doesn't bother us, well, all right, you got a fortunate metabolism, but you're in the minority. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned some mindful practices like a food diary. Are there any other quick little mindful nuggets that you could share with our listeners that you know might help them get through a moment of hearing the incessant whisper of a Snickers bar? Yeah, I think when you think about what is it that you're feeding, mm. what, what is it that you're actually, are you hungry? Are you actually physically hungry? So sometimes there's a lot of things that we associate with being hungry, but are not actual physical hunger. It's not stomach hunger. It's feeling bored. A lot of times we, we eat something because we're bored or we eat something out of habit. You're watching TV, you reach for something because it's a habit to eat that as you're watching TV. And you don't even realize you're eating it as you're eating it and suddenly you reach the bottom of the bag and you're wondering how it disappeared. Where did it go? Um, yeah. yeah, like somebody magical must have come in and taken it away from me because I surely didn't eat all of that. <laughs> um, and so the being mindful. So if you're going to have something, instead of having it right out of the bag or right out of the box or 
uh, you know, having it uh, from the container, put a small amount on a very small plate because there's a mindful thing about the small plate. So our minds think of things that are put on a small plate take up a bigger space. Then a little thing put on a big plate seems like not very much, but you put that same little thing on a little plate and your mind does a funny trick. It somehow thinks that you've got more than what what you would if it was on a big plate. So using little plates, get tiny little ones if you're going for your dessert things or your your treats. And you don't even you you don't even you already feel more satisfied with how much you're getting yeah. if you use a small plate. It's great. So idea. very easy trick to do. Yeah. Um, paying attention to whether or not you're actually bored. There maybe there's something else that you can do instead, or if you're lonely, maybe you can call a friend or connect with somebody. Um, if you are upset, you're eating. Some people, when they're upset, when they're angry, they lose their appetite. Some of us, when we're upset, food, you know, sort of hides it, masks it. So dealing with the emotions that are actually coming up, uh, that can make a difference. And when you eat, really. Sensing, like getting, I I did a, uh, I I attended a lecture, an MD who who I work with, who did a mindful eating seminar. And she had us have a blueberry. And she had us really appreciate that one tiny little blueberry. Look at it, uh, put it in your mouth, feel it in your mouth. See if you could taste it before you even bite into it. You know, all of those things, the the texture of it, the, what, what is it? tastes like what are you getting when you have that first bite you know when you swallow that blueberry what is the what, what is the sensation what are the feelings all of the stuff being actual very mindful and practicing that mindfulness a lot of the times when we eat something we chew so quickly or we barely chew and we we've eaten it before we even know and so practicing mindfulness can go a long way yeah that sounds like great advice any closing ideas or things that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wind this thing down? Yeah, I wanted to um, thank you for having me uh, as a part of this show. Um, Sharing information about food is such a pleasure for me. I love food and uh, I can appreciate that food is a challenge for many of us. And I want people to feel like food is not an enemy. There's so much idea of good foods and bad foods. And I want people to not feel like food needs to be an enemy or, or a problem, uh, not becoming too involved and just finding ease in eating healthy. That's really my goal, uh, to help people to find ease in making the right choices for them and understanding that your needs change from time to time, change from season to season. And, Really, you can you can get a sense of what is good for you by paying attention to how you really feel when you're eating. Do you feel nourished? And that is my main thing, is understanding that food is so much more than just the vitamins and the minerals. There's so much more than it's a good food or a bad food. And there is no perfect diet for everybody. So... Uh, that is the main thing for me. There's no perfect diet for everybody, and 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 to enjoy it, get creative. Yeah, 
taste. And I would love to have your recipe, your wife's recipe for that as well. You know, I suspect the listeners would like that too. And so I will put it on the show notes page so that uh, if you just go over to everydayacupuncturepodcast.com, it'll be there uh, as, a, as a quick link. And, uh, and we, can put, we can put your website up there too and any, and any links that you would like to share with the listeners as well. Perfect. I appreciate that. All right. Well, Melissa, thanks again for being here. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. If so, please take a moment and visit www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com where you can click on the review on iTunes button to rate and review the show. Doing this helps other people to find the show. Also, you can express your appreciation by supporting the show with a donation. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next time.